we're looking at the book of 2 John. Might it be easier for men to accept a God who loves them if God is understood as including all of the image of God, both masculine and feminine aspects? Both men and women have the image of God in them. Genesis 1 tells us that. Let's not add obstacles to faith that minimize the fullness of God's love regardless of gender and thus imply the requirement of male believers marrying an exclusively male God. Some of us can accept the idea that Jesus marries the church or perhaps marries the city of Jerusalem. It's a little unclear in Revelation. But it may be a long stretch to seriously consider the possibility of men marrying an all-male Jesus. The problem, I think, is delimiting God to Father and Son and not considering the Holy Spirit to be at least partially feminine as Proverbs implies in speaking of wisdom as a woman. Think about it, then let each of us be convinced in our own minds, as Romans 14 verse 5 states. Now in verse 4, John expresses his delight and great joy in the fact that the woman's children are living in the truth. John then requests the woman to whom he is writing to love him and that he can love her constantly. But he explains that this is mutual love and it involves obedience to God's commands, walking in love and unity as they had heard from the beginning. This is probably not a romantic relationship. As in other writings, John speaks of deceptive teachers who refuse to acknowledge that Jesus was fully human. He speaks of believers that wander away and are not faithful to what Jesus taught, as lacking a relationship with Christ. Curiously, John states that such people should not be welcome in believers' homes. Now, this is kind of odd. This is odd because hospitality was such a strong theme in 3 John, but perhaps the line is now being drawn between Christians and non-Christian guests. Yet the wandering away language reminds us of Jesus speaking of the wayward lamb, who the master searches out, finds, and ministers to. But John clearly implies that he's speaking of teachers rejecting faith with that wandering, not just a temporary separation. This is implied by the statement, if you welcome him as a believer, you will be partnering with him in his evil agenda. That's in verse 11. To have an evil agenda implies a hardness that comes from an active rejection of faith. It should be noted that to refuse to be hospitable was against the cultural norms of that time. As in 3 John, the writer again mentions other subjects in need of discussion, 
but also not wanting to discuss them in a letter. Face-to-face contact will finish that task, as well as complete John's joy. The final verse mentions the children of the woman's sister, which can be interpreted in any of those three ways that we mentioned earlier. First, as literal children of a literal sister. Second, as children of Mary's sister. Or third, the congregation of a sister church. So here are some questions to ponder. When is a private discussion of a church problem more appropriate than public confrontation? Another question is, when is public confrontation needed? Then, consider the passage that says to first privately go to the person who is doing wrong before taking a more public step. Check that out in Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17. This is Brother Don.